Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is the Relentables Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, and each episode, we'll be breaking down another 90s, early 2000s kids movie. I am not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. This is a bonus episode in which I bring on one of the stars of Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, Charles Shaughnessy, who plays the role of Dimitri, the evil vampire. While best known for the nanny and days of our lives, I doubt he even thought we'd be talking about the little vampire movie he did for Disney Channel 20 years ago. And yet, here we are. So let's get into my interview with Charles Shaughnessy, and just because I love hearing it, let's play the Disney Channel original movie, Intro Music. We are now joined by one of the stars of Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, Charles Shaughnessy, who played the role of Dimitri the Vampire. Charles, thank you so much for coming on the Relunchables podcast. It's a pleasure, Jordan. Uh, It's a delight to be here with you. Have you ever been introduced that way with Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire? No, but you know, it's funny (laughs) because it's it's really, I I think it's equal between Days of Our Lives and and The Nanny and The Vampire. I just assume it's going to be Mr. Sheffield when people suddenly, you get that little glint of recognition. Um, But I can tell by the age. It's like there's a certain age cut off. And when they're below a certain age, like in their late 20s, I go, is it The Vampire? (laughs) Yeah, The Vampire. Yeah, it's very cool. It was a it was a really fun movie. We did it all at night in in Toronto. It was a you know every night we'd we'd be leaving the hotel just as everyone else was getting back from their shoots. Um, and just we had a blast. Was that your first time working with Caroline Ray? I know you worked on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Did, which one came before? Um, I think. Mm, good question. I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think the, the the vampire was the first thing, and then I did a teenage witch, I believe, and then we did a sort. I did a pilot spin-off of Teenage Witch that never went anywhere, um, but she wasn't in that. But yeah, that was the first time working, and we had so much fun. We just never stopped <laughs> laughing. I mean, she's the funniest lady, and we were just, I and mean, you know, we were sitting in a trailer at four in the morning. Uh, waiting to get called to set but the time just went so quickly because we just we just enjoyed ourselves far more than we should have done I bet she's hysterical I love her comedy Uh, before we get into the movie specifically I kind of want to go further back and ask you you know what made you want to get into acting as a child I know you grew up in a kind of show business family it all started when um, way back I was like five years old I know at school and uh, you know how when you were sort of learning to read you'd be reading Anton B or something. I don't know what you had in America, but in England, it was a book called Anton B. And it was like, you know, Ant likes B or B goes to Ant, you know. And, and there was always a time when the teacher would ask someone to, to read out loud and all the kids would dive under their desks 
except me. <laughs> I just discovered I loved reading out loud. And so they decided to do one day a school play. Uh, uh, I must have been about six. And they were going to do Peter Rabbit. And I assumed I was going to be Peter Rabbit because I was the guy who loved to read. <laughs> and to my horror, my friend Peter Robinson was cast as Peter Rabbit. And I was the third bluebird from the left. And I had one line, which was tweet, tweet, look out, Peter. And I remember being so, such a range of emotions. I immediately hated my best friend. I had this sort of surge of jealousy. I didn't want to do it. My mom had to make me a beautiful costume to persuade me to even do this thing. And at the same time, I was aware of thinking to myself, wow, you are so upset about this. This must mean something. And I think that was the first inkling I got that I actually like to show off in public. Um, and that was the road to being an actor. <laughs> so you never had that stage fright, no qualms about getting up in front of the class and speaking? No, not at all in those days. No, I mean, you know, as a professional, you go through, there are times when stage fright sort of comes up, uh, especially with stage work, you know, when you're going out in front of a live audience, which I love doing, but every now and again, um, for whatever reason, you suddenly have a period of a week or two weeks where it's a little more scary than others, um, but you kind of deal with it. But um, it's never been a problem for me. Public speaking, you know, people say, you know, do you mind getting up and saying a few words? I'm like, sure, you know, <laughs> helping my way up to the podium. <laughs> so you're the perfect, you know, person to give the, the speech at the wedding. You're yeah. the go-to <laughs> friend, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm actually, funny you should say that, my daughter, my eldest daughter was getting married um, next Saturday, uh, and we've been planning this wedding for literally two years, I mean, of, you know, of, of going to, we were going to have this the, the ceremony in my backyard, and then go to a reception uh, in Calder City, and she was going to have a bride's party in Mexico, I mean, it's going to be a huge thing, 200 people, some flying in from New York, and of course, the whole thing was blown out of the water by this. <laughs> But I was always very anxious about the father of the bride speech, not because I was, had stage fright, but I just didn't know how I, I was going to stop crying. I, I, I was like, I was going to be Steve Martin in Father of the Bride. I was just dreading it because I knew that from the moment I woke up that morning, um, I was going to be a basket case. But then... Uh, we, so we had to cancel everything, but then they found they could get married in the parking lot of the uh, Orange County Honda Center Civic Center. Wow. At a little kiosk. The registrar set up a kiosk. You park your car and just the two of them with their masks get out of the car, go up to the kiosk. <laughs> they get their marriage certificate, their license. The registrar behind a plexiglass screen marries them. They get in the car and drive home. So they're actually going to get married. But we're having to kick the whole ceremony down a year. So that's going to happen 2021, we hope. A speech, so I'm let off the hook. <laughs> Give you more time to think about it, right? More time to just get emotionally prepared. Looking at your IMDb and kind of doing some, a little bit of research, I found that maybe you were pursuing a career in law, possibly. It's funny because... Most, I think most actors grow up with more traditional parents and they're trying to convince their parents to pursue a career in the arts. Was it the opposite for you growing up with, you know, actor and no, writer no, parents? No, I, no my, my dad was really keen on me pursuing law. Uh, you know, he had been a writer, my mom had been an actor. So they knew how tough a business it was. And um, 
they would have been much happier if I'd been a lawyer. But, <laughs> but at the same time, when they knew that this was what I really wanted to do, they were 100% supportive immediately. Um, and in some ways, I think they were a little pleased that it was sort of continuing the family business. By then, my brother had become an actor anyway. That's why I wanted to do law, because he was an actor, my mother was an actor, my father was a writer. I thought, someone has to do something sensible. <laughs> so I decided to be a lawyer. And then it just didn't work out. I was like, you know, I liked the study. I liked, I had lawyers who were friends, but it wasn't my tribe. It just wasn't my world. Um, so I, you know, doubled back and became an actor. You'd rather play the lawyer, right, than have to be one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> play one on TV. It pays better. <laughs> <laughs> were there any British actors growing up that you looked up to or any American program that you were watching to kind of get um, ingrained into that culture? Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of actors that really, I guess, sort of inspired me as a kid. One was um, um, oh, Howard, Alan Howard. Um, and um, the other was um, David, oh, uh, uh, Morgan, suitable treat for a case for treatment. Wait a second. Oh, my goodness. I wrote a whole essay about him. David Warner. David Warner, who was an English actor who did uh, a TV show called The War of the Roses, which was sort of based on Shakespeare's history plays. And I think I must have been seven. And he just sort of, I went, oh, I, I'd like to be like him when I grow up. We had a lot of American TV shows, like a, a little later, Starsky and Hutch and um, all that kind of stuff. Was moving to LA always the goal or were you content no. kind of working in, you know, the UK? I had no thought of going anywhere but England. It never occurred to me I'd live anywhere other than England. But I met this young American drama student when I went to drama school in London at Central. And she had come over for three years training. and. Um, she was very exotic, very beautiful dancer, uh, ex-ballerina who was training in London at the Central School. And to my surprise, she agreed to go out with me and we started dating. And then passage of time, I was working in England. She came back to America and uh, we just missed each other. And I realized that this was my life just had to be with her. So this was 1983 and <clears throat> she had to decide whether she wanted to come to London or I decided that I'd come to LA. And, you know, I was, I, I called up and proposed from a phone box <laughs> at Liverpool Street Station in the pouring rain. So, you know, when we had to make that decision, I'm looking at this rain just cascading down outside in London. And I just said, you know, what's the weather like then? She went, oh, it's beautiful, it's sunny. I'm gonna have to go down the beach later. So I said, okay, that's it, I'm coming out that way. So I came out and got married and uh, never went back. When you first came out here, what was the goal? Was it just to get an agent? Was it to find something? Or was it just kind yeah. of just living in LA and taking your time? Well, you know, that's a great question because I think a lot of actors, English actors, certainly when they come out pursuing acting and they, so they've got a house in England and they sort of come out here for pilot season and they're sort of jumping between the two. And there's always a slight, you know, I've got to book a job in the next two months or I have to go back. I came out to be in Los Angeles, to be with Susan, be with my life and make a life here. If I could make a life as an actor, great. If I couldn't, then I was going to make a life as something else. I would, you know, find something to do. But I wasn't leaving. So the goal was to live in Los Angeles and start a life here as an actor. Now, if, uh, as it was, because I wasn't 
uh, it, there was no time on it. I, when I went up to audition for something, people were like, are you going to be here for long? Or when do you go back to England? And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm living here. Everyone could relax. Um, I, there was no pressure. I wasn't feeling desperate. They weren't feeling like I was going to not be around. So suddenly it was easier for me to get an agent and start working because I, was, I wasn't going anywhere. So it, it actually did help to mentally have that um, decision made that this is home. So yeah, I definitely wanted to be an actor and hope that it would be successful. But if it hadn't been, I wouldn't have gone back to England. I was going to stay here. Sure. And I think it gave you probably a leg up amongst a lot of other actors that were constantly going back and forth. Yeah, going back and forth. I think it did. I think it sort of meant, okay, this guy's here. If, you know, if he books this job and suddenly we want him to come back and do it another episode in six weeks, we're not going to have to try and fly him back from England. You know, I'm just there. So I think it did help. Yeah. Kind of moving on to, you know, why, of course, we're having you on the Relunchables podcast. And that's, of course, to talk about Mom's Got a Day with a Vampire. I noticed you did a lot of stuff in the children's slash family programming space with Disney Channel, with Nickelodeon, Hannah Montana, Victoria, yeah. Sweet Life on Deck. How did that relationship start? Was it building relationships with the casting directors for those networks? What happened? Um, you know, it's a, that's a good thought. I don't know. I, I you know, I, I feel that actors, um, you know, the, the, what I loved about, what I love about being an actor is that you can shamelessly be a kid. You know, you can you can stay completely immature in some ways and just enjoy the imagination of a child and the sort of idiocy and stupid and and, you know, ridiculousness of being a kid. So I've always had that quality, I think, which might have um, appealed to those sort of people. So once I got cast in like a, a, a kid's show uh, work for Disney they would go, we'll have him back because he sort of connects with the kids. Um, my, one of my favorite jobs was doing this animation show uh, called Stanley. I played this goldfish called Dennis. Um, and that got me my only Emmy. I've, I've got an <laughs> Emmy thing on my desk, which came from this kids show, which was actually a fantastic show. It was a brilliant animation show. Um, but I just love being, but it meant that when I would speak, sometimes little kids would go, you know, mommy, mommy, I think that's dead. <laughs> and I love that, you know. So I guess, yeah, out of that sort of playfulness and enjoying, I love kids and I love being around kids and entertaining kids, that it sort of did develop um, quite a career in that space. You know, I did do a couple of Disney movies and then Stanley and, um, um, yeah, so it's sort of it's it's been a it's been a nice little niche job, really. Sure, and I think you always played that either detective or teacher that the kids were always trying to outsmart or get ahead of. Right. I think you nailed right. that perfectly. Or well, the slightly bad guy. It was like this, yeah. I, I I was the slightly sinister record you know owner of in um, Victorious, and <laughs> I was a sort of nasty Simon Cowell character in Hannah Montana but he was always the bad guy that ended up with the you know pie in the face yes and, and sort of and made amends at the end and turned out to be quite a nice guy the only one who didn't make amends was Dimitri you know who, who remained evil at the end. <laughs> <laughs> you never got that redemption right <laughs> no not in that one I you know I kept saying to them afterwards I said look you know he's un he's 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 the undead and he's like floating off in this coffin in, on the lake. 
you know, he's not gone. You know, we could bring Dimitri back. There's, there's a sequel, guys. You know, <laughs> it was very popular, but no one listened to me. Uh, I know as a huge fan, I would have loved to see the sequel, and especially in 2020. You know, Dimitri's looking for love, maybe on one of these dating apps now. Maybe he's yeah. on Bumble or oh, Tinder. So many ideas. I actually <laughs> wrote out a few and sent them into someone at Disney. Said, you know, guys, look at this. These are some ideas. I mean, for him to be wandering around, do you say wandering around in the 20th century, trying to figure out, you know, dating? Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of it would be great. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the show, What We Do in the Shadows, based on the Taika Waititi uh, movie back in 2014. Yeah. I would love to see maybe Dimitri show up on that show in that yeah. mockumentary type style. Yeah, really, right now. They do their <laughs> research into like famous pop culture vampires, you know, up pops Dimitri. Do you have any contacts there? You should write to them. I'll get right on that. Was playing a vampire always on your bucket list as an actor? Was that something you always wanted to play? No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, playing the bad guy is always fun, much more fun. And so being a vampire was fun. And when this came up, you know, I quite seriously talked to the director and said, you know, do we, he's called Dimitri, so it's presumably Mediterranean Greek. <laughs> do we have an accent, maybe? <laughs> he said, no, no, we're not going there. And I was like, oh, darn it. I, I thought that he could have a little slight, you know, Eastern European accent, but um, it was not to be. Oh my God. Yeah. What do you remember about the casting process for that? I know you mentioned Simon Cowell. Was that a common thing that you got? We need a Simon Cowell type? Uh, no, you know, just, um, you know, English you get in. If it's an English person, then I, my name sort of gets put into the bucket. Um, and I know with vampire they did not the executive producer did not think my name came up my manager at the time suggested me and he went no 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 we know charlie and he's not right you know mr sheffield i think i'd done the nanny by then and it was like this isn't what we're looking for and um, bless his heart my manager sort of pushed and said no you know you really need to take this seriously it'd be great so i did go and meet with them and they went oh okay maybe and so that's how that happened and then it all worked out very well so hmm. um it wasn't a slam dunk because i hadn't been playing sort of bad guys you know baddies uh, at that point i'd been this you know all-american sitcom dad so it took a little persuading um but i'm so glad it worked out because it was it was just so much fun i mean i i haven't laughed as much as we did in those four weeks i mean just crying sometimes. <laughs> Do you have any other memories from that set and just working with the children and working well, with Carolyn? Yeah. My favorite memory was this, they recreated this fairground um, on, in a huge field outside Toronto. And we were gonna be shooting all night, all the fairground stuff. And it poured with rain the night before. So it was like mud, it was like flooded. And, and, and we shot through the night and it got kind of cold. And it was okay for us because we'd be in trailers with warmers, you know, they take care of the actors, they're feeding you hot cocoa. But the extras, the poor background, who were having to get into these whirly things because we'd be oh. doing a shot in the foreground and in the background there's a whirly thing. And these poor extras being forced into the whirly gig seats going, please, no, I can't, I can't do it. And they're going, you have to get back in. And they go around this and it would stop. And then literally in the back of the show, if you look carefully, people staggering off, vomiting 
and going around behind the back. And I swear to God, behind that whirly gig was like a field. It looked like the field in Gone with the Wind after the Civil War, like bodies just in rows, people all moaning and throwing up. It was just, and of course it was horrible, but yeah. Caroline and I were just hysterical. <laughs> absolutely hysterical it was just like what you don't see behind the scenes so that was my favorite night was shooting that fairground was just totally bizarre um and the cast was lovely the kids were great laura's done very well uh laura vandervoort you know i've seen her a couple of times you know we sort of once i sort of actually found her i, I went in for an audition or for something and she was in the waiting room which was nice we caught up um, but she's done some great stuff and, and the other kids were great. The, the, the boys were terrific and um, I haven't seen them since. Um, but it was, a, it was a really happy uh, group. You know, we had a great director and good producers and, and we just had a good time. Honestly, I'm gonna have to rewatch it and look out for that background in the fair yeah. scene. And <laughs> have to point and, out so and there's a scene you'll see if you see it again. There's a scene where we both, Caroline and I, had to get into one of these things, and they they said, you know, we can't boom it, so you'll have to have the boom with you, and we're gonna tie a camera off to the the gondola thing as it goes round. And we had like a couple of lines of dialogue, and they said, you know, wait till you as you go, it picks up speed and you'll see us do this and then start the dialogue. So the thing's going around and I see them do this and literally, we're like, we're like what? <laughs> no one could say anything. So I'm now crying, trying to do my dialogue, absolutely hysterical, because you literally, your face is like this. <laughs> they hadn't figured that bit out. And they, we finally stopped and said, did you say the dialogue? And I said, listen to it back, because I don't think you're going to hear much. It was just, <laughs> oh, God, it was funny. Doing your own stunt work there, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, with the advent of Disney Plus and kind of all these films now being unlocked, previously lost, have you seen a resurgence for these movies? And have you gone back and watched it yourself recently? No, you know, I haven't. Um, I haven't paid attention to it. Um, you know, if it is, if people are, you know, catching it again, that's great because I was very pleased with it and proud of it. And I thought it was a great kids movie. And so if a new generation of kids are catching it, that's great. Um, but I haven't checked in with, I mean, the Disney uh, universe is so huge. It's kind of, um, you, you know, if you're, if you're plugged into it, you're plugged into like a massive universe. So and I'm not, you know, I, I guess if I was to work for them again, I would to an extent, but I haven't worked on a Disney job for quite a while. Gotcha. Yeah, I could tell that, you know, for me growing up in the 90s, and I'm sure an entire generation of people, these Disney Channel original movies were so formative. And especially Mom's Got a Day with the Vampire was just one of those classic, like Halloween Town, just a classic like Halloween, Halloween movie. Right. The Halloween Town got like three sequels. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you couldn't get so, one? You know, I'm not making a a fuss but you know three sequels for halloween town it's not right it's not right it's not right, it's not right. <laughs> uh this question is actually a fan question that comes from gretchen in tampa florida and this question is about your time on the amc show mad men i know i'm taking you back oh. a little bit uh which is definitely a show that's on my mount rushmore of tv shows and she asks what was your experience like working with matthew weiner john ham and the rest of the cast and were you a fan of the show before joining total fangirl I mean, I was like, you know, 
I'd been working, you know, I'd been working in the business for a long time. I considered myself a professional. It took a lot to phase me. But when I walked onto that set and there was John Hamm and, and um, the rest of the cast, Kleena Hendricks and people, I, I, I could hardly speak. <laughs> it was um, it was ridiculous. And I, I got a hold of myself and managed to pull out some kind of a performance. But yeah, I was a total fan. Um, and uh, and it wasn't disappointing. I mean, it was one of the most efficient, detailed, um, focused sets I think I've ever been on. I mean, Matt Weiner, I later learned, was um, um, almost to a fault uh, a micromanaging things because he yeah. was like literally moving the props around. But that's why it had the quality it had. I mean, they had an incredible set deck a set decorator and designer. I mean, they had an amazing team. The costumes, it was like the, the, the A team in every department. But Matt Weiner himself would always go around and just fix a little something here and there, you know, because he knew exactly what he wanted, which I'm sure drove some people crazy. I was not on long enough to be driven crazy, and I welcomed his input. Um, but it was, you know, one of the thrills of my career actually to be able to say that I had been part of that I mean that's one of the biggest sort of honors and and just came up out of the blue you know it was one of those lucky things that came up as an actor um and I uh I was so happy to do that yeah his attention to detail is kind of legendary at this point as a guest star what is your kind of role when you go onto a set is it just kind of minding your own business and just kind of get with the flow of what the other actors are kind of carrying you know what is your mindset when you go on a new set yeah that's a great point. It, it is, you know, your job as a guest star, and it depends on the show, but some more than others, uh, especially a sitcom, um, because a sitcom is the sort of, the, the format of a sitcom is that the audience wants to come and join a particular group of friends or family and see them do exactly what they do every week. And they're the people that you tune in for and the guest stars are there to simply as devices to sort of ha have something happen so that their favorite people can do their catchphrase. So when you're on a sitcom, I'm very aware of just being a device. You kind of take the paycheck because your lines may get cut. I've done a couple where you've had, what a nice scene. You go, oh, this is a nice scene. And then you show up and it's like one line because they don't really need you to be saying anything. Their camera's on the star of the yeah. show. You know? So you're very aware of just being a prop. But that's the job. You know, that was the same when I was on The Nanny. We'd have these fantastic guest stars come on. Um, but they would really not do very much because it was all about us, you know. So um, I'm very aware of that. With a drama, a bit more, you get sometimes get more to do because you're a bit more of a plot device i got mad men even though it wasn't a huge amount uh sinjin powell was quite a major plot turn so there were a couple of really nice scenes the scene with duck um uh and the scene with um with jared harris on the phone were sort of meaty scenes so you kind of you you grab them and just devour them because they don't come up very often because most of the time as a guest uh, a guest star you're you're just sort of filling in the gaps for the main gang um, yeah, so as long as you're aware of that going in, you don't get disappointed, you don't get hurt, you don't feel frustrated. It's just that's the gig. Interesting. 
uh, Charles, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. I'm sure my listeners would be curious as to what you're up to now. I know you're still acting, maybe not now during a global pandemic. Right now, not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right now, it's like, it's like a lot of Zoom readings and, uh, you know, people trying to figure it out, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, there was stuff I was involved in and it all came to a kind of grinding halt. Um, it's difficult to know where it's going to go after this. I mean, just technically how you can assemble a crew together with actors in a space. I don't know when that's going to be possible. Um, and what you're going to write about, you know, one of my big questions yeah. is how do you, if I'm writing a show now, what do I write? Do I write people go out to a restaurant? Do I write, you know, he walks at home and they have a kiss. I mean, that's a sort of science fiction now. It's like an alternate universe. So I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, so there's nothing that I can say, um, watch out for. But you never know. <laughs> That's an interesting point. Even people who are writing, which is one of the few things that you can do right now, what you do don't you really write? know what to write for. Unless it's a period piece or a science fiction or a, like a kind of alternate universe. I don't know what you write. If you're writing like the next season of This Is Us, or you know, Modern Family, or something. I don't know what you, I don't know what you write. I don't know what scene one is, yeah. you know, because it's going to be a different reality for a long time. Not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some more animation. Maybe we bring the goldfish back, right? Yeah. Well, now, funny you should say that. That's that's the one thing that um, you know can live with this without any problem. You know, people have home studios. Animators are drawing and uh, sending stuff off to be rendered and uh animation i i can't i i don't see why that should miss a beat so yeah in fact i've got a i just got a email i got a voiceover audition to do some point today for something oh. so that that can still keep going see i made it to the end of the podcast didn't mention the nanny didn't mention days of our lives look at yeah. that <laughs> i just had five quick rapid fire questions to end on yeah. if you're ready yeah are there any tv shows you're currently binging during the quarantine oh uh just finished Better Things on FX. Just show. fantastic show. Four seasons, don't miss it. Favorite restaurant in LA? You know, our favorite restaurant as a family is a place called Hillstones. It's a steakhouse oh on Second God. Street, Santa Monica. It's great. It's just, it, for some reason, the ambiance there, it's become yes. our family go-to for every birthday, anniversary, special occasion, that's it. Are the ribs your favorite? The ribs are my absolute favorite. Though. Yeah. The ribs are pretty good. They, it's weird because they don't have them on the menu or they took them off the menu. So you had to ask them, but it sort of made you feel a bit special because you're going, I see you don't have ribs. Can I have, can I get ribs? Oh yes, we, for you, we can get ribs. It's like, well, why don't you just put it on the menu? But anyway, yeah, that or the um, Hawaiian steak. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up Hillstone. That's my favorite as well. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite Disney Channel original movie aside from Mom's Got Day with the Vampire or just a favorite kids movie you had growing up? Um, I guess I'd have to say um, In Search of the Castaways or, any, yeah, anything with Haley Mills, you know, um, Thomasina, Parent Trap. And was there a role over the years that you wondered, like, man, it would have been super cool to play that role? This could have been something you auditioned for or not auditioned for, just a really cool uh, role. You funny enough, I finally, I, it, there was only one that I really thought this would be fun. And I finally got to do it last year in Pittsburgh on stage. It's Captain Hook musical in Peter Pan, the, the, the Kathy Rigby, Kat, Kat, uh, Peter Pan, uh, you know, where Mary Martin, 
Peter Pan. That was fine because he's everything. He's, he gets to sing and dance a little and he's an evil villain, but he's also kind of funny and outrageous and over the top. So it's sort of checked all the boxes and I finally got to play it. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Last one. I know we kind of alluded to this earlier, but if Disney Channel approached you about doing a possible Mom's Guy Day with a Vampire sequel, you know, we never see what happened to Dimitri. Would you right, sign up to be a part yeah, of it? Sign me up. Charles, thank you so much for coming on the Relunchables podcast. You're welcome, Jordan. It's been a pleasure. It really has. I would like to thank my guest, Charles Shaughnessy, for coming on the podcast. You could find him on social media. He's at Charles Shaughnessy on Instagram and C underscore Shaughnessy on Twitter. You can also subscribe to his YouTube channel for more incredible content. And let's just keep this promotion train rolling. You can also subscribe to the Relunchables podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a rating or review, five stars only. Until next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube